Oh, there's a fancy voice now that says recording in progress. And it let me know so that you couldn't get away with it. <laughs> so you can't get just, uh, you can't be recorded without consent. I can't do any federal crimes. I get it. You know, everybody, they see the bald head and they're just like, yep, I need some video of that. <laughs> but all I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to go into, uh, you know, uh, what's it called, you know, and, and make it look all shiny like a mirror and then post it on YouTube. <gasps> Actually. I think there are bald head polishing pads, aren't there? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, why is my question? Well, sometimes you just want everybody to know that, like, you have gotten everything shaved down really smooth on your head. Did these people have a thing for bowling balls? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's a weird part because it's just like, really, the only people to do that are going bald. Like, you know me and it's just like this weird way of being like no it's my choice to be bald <laughs> it's like i'm taking back from the hands of fate taking fate into my own hands or my <laughs> own cloth and I, I always said when i was younger i was like you know uh, i just gotta hold out till i'm like 35 and then it'll be okay for me to bald, be bald and then That's right about 35 i'm like yep i'm totally cool with this now <laughs> I've, I've made my peace with it Oh, but okay. Yes, we are here on another episode of High Resolution Life. Um, it's been a hiatus. I um, I think I had a dark night of the soul is what we call it. It was a high, high resolution hiatus. Oh, high resolution. High, re- high resolution. Hiatus? Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, well, we'll go with that. <laughs> a high resolution hiatus. Oh. <gasps> Yeah. Super califragilistic expiala high fragilistic. I can't even do it. <laughs> Super califragilistic high resolution asiatus. Whoa. Ooh, see, I for I forget the word halfway through the word there. You know, it was so long. I was like, oh. Expialidocious. Super califragilistic expialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. Okay. <laughs> Why is my brain still holding on to that? I could be holding much more valuable information. I mean, it's weird what our brain holds on to. Uh, I know it has something to do with when we're all 12, and that's about it. Uh, I was much younger when I heard that. So anyway, we are talking about opera. We're talking about Wagner. We are talking about leitmotif. We are talking about, oh, leitmotif. Leitmotif, leitmotif. I think it's leitmotif because it's L-E, how's it spelled? L-E-I-T... M-O-T-I-F-F? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Auf Deutsch, that would be lead motif, the leading motive. Which is going to make us sound more pretentious, and that's the way I want to go. Yes, absolutely. We want to sound exactly. bougie. Uh, there's too many times in my... Uh, that I've pull my pinky up. Oh, pinky out. Pinky out while I have my coffee. If this is the point where I drop my coffee all over myself. <laughs> uh, which I actually... I haven't had coffee for a week, so... Yeah, I didn't have coffee for a week while I was sick. <laughs> uh, it just adding coffee to when you're sick is just not a good combination. But I think the medicine they put me on is a stimulant. So I, I didn't really go through any sort of withdrawal from that. And I've, I've felt more wild than ever. <laughs> oh, nice. Good. But yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously we've been working on ourselves and uh, so we can be mentally fit and prepared to bring you this episode of this podcast, which I was putting off for like two weeks because I got sick, but uh, it just 
dawned on me that it's something that we're both interested in talking about. We've got the musical brawn over here and I've, we've got the, well, we both have perspectives on the brain. Um, so we're going to talk about these topics related to uh, Wagner. We're also going to enjoy Jeff's very light ASMR. <laughs> ASMR light. Wait, with the Christmas tree behind us, can you give us a little glimpse of Christmas? ASMR. Tannenbaum. Yeah, well, ASMR. We got some Tannenbaum behind us. You know, we got some lush green evergreen with just a hint of snow and a lovely bit of candy cane that is put out with the random assortment of ornaments. You can now tag this under ASMR and get like a, an extra thousand views, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you would not tag my annoying horse, horse voice. You would not tag my annoying horse voice with the ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh sorry. My. I break out in random accents and it's so bad if I'm having like a beer or something and I just start to get a little buzz and then all of a sudden <laughs> I I am uh all of a sudden I'm from Russia or Ukraine and all of a sudden I say different instead of different. Well, just know in Soviet Russia, the Wagner listens to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, we were talking about that. What even got us on that? Um, it was kind of the idea that everybody shits on opera. Yeah. 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 And then you came and talked to me and it was like, hey, let's talk about this opera. And I'm like, well, I haven't even really heard of that one. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, when it comes to uh, Wagner, I, I, I think of like the famous ones, you know, the ring cycle. Tristan and Oh yeah, Tristan and his old, you know, uh, those ones there. And um, I've been bad for uh, what I like to listen to. I haven't listened to as much opera as I should. I know, shame you on know, you, I but mean, nobody know, likes shame. opera. I love how my cat's but, just like rubbing herself that's all over weird. me. I mean, but it's <laughs> weird because like the second I start watching opera, I'm like really, really into it. It's 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 enthralling, and most people are just over it. I love how my cat is just like rubbing herself all over me, and you're just like, "This is normal. This is fine." The, the cat's like, I, "I went in on this conversation. I got tons of stuff to say about opera." Every time I sing or I practice opera, like I was, uh, we were doing, I was doing research for this. We apparently we were doing research for this opera, and uh, I started singing the aria for Adriano because it's a trouser role. Surprising because. Wagner doesn't make use of a lot of mezzo sopranos. If he does, they are basically man sized. They are like, whoo, they are like football players. It's almost like the stereotypical view we get in our mind of like what, what you know, opera, singers opera singers look like. Yeah. yeah. So I was singing some of it, um, some of the aria that Adriano sings in Rienzi, and my cat's trying to sing with me. She's purring. I can't figure out if she <laughs> thinks I'm dying or if she actually enjoys it. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah so what did you find out about rienzi i uh, found out a couple things but it's uh set in, in rome that's kind of different i i was actually kind of reading an article about why it's not really performed that much and i kind of thought that was interesting you know compared to some of them just yeah like you probably already knew about like Wagner wasn't really proud of it as one of no. his, you know, best, you know. And then, like, it's what we were talking about, like, just a second ago, the aria you sent me, where it's like, well, it's not even, it's like the best aria from the thing, and it's not even for a main character. Yeah, yeah. Adrian is a side character who is trying to go <laughs> go for this lady, gets shot down, 
and he's just like, well, okay then. And then Rienzi ends up killing Idriana's father. And he's like, I shall avenge my father. <laughs> and my then father! He, um, <laughs> the other part I was reading was just like how um, that it's really, really hard for the tenor just because he has to like sing so much. And then like late in the opera, he gets like his big, mo- you know, moment or something like that to sing or I'll tell you a secret. Okay. Why am I zooming in here? Because it's a secret. Wagner is hard for everyone. I figured. I I just figured a tenor is the one who wrote this. Everything's you know, hard so for a tenor. They kinda, overthink everything. Because like, um, there's a lot of information about like the tenor's viewpoint. <laughs> tenors always have a lot to say. Yeah. It's like it's like anytime I see a tenor, I'm like, where's the damn mute button? Don't start, do they ever stop talking? <laughs> no. Are you a tenor? Technically. Oh, you're a ten. Oh, how did I not oh, know? Well, this? actually, I used to be a tenor, and then I kind of like slowly shifted into baritone land. Mm, I could see baritone, yeah. Because yeah. um, get those higher notes, man. I just don't want to put in the work to <laughs> like come out of shape. And, <laughs> you know, like it yeah. takes a lot of work to get there. Well, that, that's kind of a thing about opera too. That people there's a stereotype. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. <laughs> You know, you've heard that, but whenever you actually see a lot of opera singers that were out of shape and did like bask in the luxury of like, oh, I'm just a singer. I don't have to take care of anything else with my body. How long is their career really? Like they usually tend to not do that well or any, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, the only one I can think of is like Pavarotti seemed to do all that well, but even then, like as he got older, he had to change keys of thing i mean as, as most people do when they have to get older you know play it in a lower key you yeah. know but then there's some there's some women that just freakishly end up having high voices after they have a kid or something like the hormones <laughs> completely shift out um i uh i started off a soprano it was so cute my first time in college choir i was a soprano i was if you ever hear any recordings of me it literally sounds like i sucked on helium <laughs> compared to now I wonder if I have any recordings of when I was speaking. I bet I do it. Hilarious. Oh, gosh. That would be funny. I, I had this little high squeakiest voice. I'm like, that cannot actually be me. <gasps> There's me on YouTube. Wait, since I actually, this is actually me. So people, you can see, this is one of these things where uh, there's a whole, it's called the Fach system. Get your head out of the gutter. It's spelled F-A-C-H. Fach. And it is a system. I'm not yelling at you, but you're gonna laugh, aren't you? <laughs> uh no, I was I was slow on that one. And then like <laughs> I didn't think anything to so get your head out of the gutter, and then I'm like, <laughs> and then what? you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yes, because you're cultured and bougie and you knew what I actually meant. Uh wow, how pretentious do we sound today? The pinky's up. I'm trying just to randomly just hold it. You know, just randomly hold it up at random times. Oh, God, I'm going to end up getting myself trolled. This is so bad. What was my handle on YouTube? I don't even remember what it was, but oh, there's me. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm just going to torment myself on this video. Great. Oh, God. You're going to hear the tiniest little squeaky voice. Go. But this is kind of fun because you everyone gets to hear. Um. What happens uh, and how women's voices change? You know, for men, it's much your 
unloading of testosterone is so much quicker. It's like, boom, you know, you're a nice little high soprano boy one day and then, hey, I'm buff. <laughs> it happens like, how quick is that for men, young men? Like, uh, pretty quick, you know, a couple years, you know, you like your, your one day, you know, like 10 or 11 or whatever. And then you have that nice little couple of years where your voice is doing odd and yeah. Well, oh my God, this was me 10 years ago when we actually first became friends. So this is a comparison of my sound for women, your voice dropping or where it's going to solidifyingly stay at is a much longer process. It happens over like 10 years. So you all have heard enough of my annoying voice that I sound like a hippo. <clears throat> I, I make fun of myself. I have like a really deep voice for a woman. It was not always this way. Here's 19-year-old Annette. I'm not even ready. All right, you ready? Uh, let's do it. Hello, bases. Here is your part for We Shall Behold Him. Oh, my God. It sounded like I sucked on helium. <laughs> like, anyway, so long story short, whenever um, women... Uh, when their voices go and they kind of like ferment, it takes a much longer time because does that even sound like the same person? Oh no, it never does. <laughs> like I don't even have anything from when I was that young talking, you know, like for men, it's not, like not be around as anymore. Much. Yeah. No, yeah, I kind of settled out and then just, <laughs> it's, it's been kind of yeah. like the same ever since, you know, yeah. but, uh, but anyway, it's it's it's, lo- it's harder for women to settle into the fach um, that their voice type is going to be because uh, you can start out a soprano, then all of a sudden, boom, you've gone to contralto, or um, or you could start out mezzo soprano and uh, your hormone balance has changed, and you can end up being a uh, coloratura soprano. <laughs> it's wild, it's absolutely wild. But um, I love Adriano's character in that. It's actually a trouser rule in Wagner. Wagner does not make use of mezzo-soprano so much. He loves spinto sopranos because <laughs> they have that sharp, steely, will cut you and probably break, break glass voices for <laughs> Ride of the Valkyries and for, yeah. The, uh, what were they called? The, um, what were those women that were the, I forget the name of the women, the Viking women. Oh, 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 oh. You know, you know, right? I know, I know, I should know. We need a tech uh, guy to do the research for us. Because <laughs> um, uh, you just said the the, the Valkyries. Oh, oh yeah, wait, they are the Valkyries, yeah, right? Yeah. I was I was overthinking that one because we were all like Viking women. Like, no, no, they're the, the Valkyries. It's in yeah. the title. It is in the title. It is literally in the title. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It is definitely Friday. Oh uh, <laughs> man. But yeah, so that that aria makes me particularly excited. Um, but what did you really find out about Adriano's character as well in Rienzi? Uh, let's see. I had notes because I don't remember anything. That's a strength, not a weakness. <laughs> There's so much I'd like. I mean, to mostly what I was just re- you know realizing is just like how it's just like this little aria. It's like not particularly long. It's just kind of like it's in actually- there. It's 10 minutes long, but I guess that's short for Wagner. I mean, no, um, I'm sorry. No, no more like, uh, like about two and a half minutes in. Not that it's short. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. thinking like, can't even read my own notes here. Eh, um, length is subjective. And it's just weird, you know, that like he would put so much forward to a 
character that really has just a side character. I mean, I yeah. don't have much to say to it other than that, other than, than like it's one of the reasons that it's not performed all that often. You yeah. know, oh, Adriano's I mean, the it guy is that a lovely got... piece, though. Yeah. Well, it's really beautiful because um, the tone of the piece changes. It first starts with. Um, it first starts with this. It's molto agitato. I feel like one of us should be near a piano <laughs> right now. Mm. Oh, I'm I'm near a piano, but my camera won't go that far yet. Mm. You know what? We're gonna get mobile. Am I actually doing this right now? Yeah, I'm doing this right now. We're gonna get mobile. We're gonna get mobile. I'm taking you all with me. Okay, we're gonna go. No. Have laptop, we'll travel. I can actually move. Okay. It starts out with a mojo agitato. Um, and there's all these really awesome motifs that Wagner uses in this piece. Is that how you would describe it? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that. Since you have the actual official music degree and I'm just a bullshitter. Yeah. I mean, all that really means is I'm an official bullshitter. Well, I'm more of a bullshitter because I have a liberal <laughs> arts degree. Oh, man, is it a contest of who is more of a bullshitter? Well, we had we did have a piano duel before. We should, <laughs> we should do that again. Oh, that would be fun. So it starts out with this. Now, let me know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear yeah. you. And then, so it's like this. Oh, my sight reading is so bad lately. So it's in a C, I think it's, would you say that's C minor? Looking at the key here, like a little bit, you're talking about like the intro into the rest yeah. of the key part. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like a little bit of C minor. Cause I mean, it starts out mm -hmm. with those like, G major chords. So the know, first thing the... we we the first thing we hear that we know something's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that kind of denote here? Yeah, we get a G major goes to kind of an A flat over G, and then it starts on an E flat. So that is the kind of wanders a bit, you know. And it's really I would definitely like. Well, that's definitely a characteristic of that's a characteristic Wagner move, right? Oh yeah, wandering through the keys, like, and then we get to that like um, a diminished right before the singer comes in, and then he just kind of hangs out there a little bit. Well, so, Wagner I mean, was part of really telling the mu the story mm -hmm. through the music, right? Yeah, no, I would definitely say yeah, he's kind of like doing shades of C minor using uh, the dominant there, the kind of, but nothing. <laughs> it's almost like nothing too. Um, obvious you know what I mean like he's not giving us a big five one oh you're in C <laughs> oh you know what's crazy whenever but I mean the, the when we look at the lyrics also I mean Wagner's really a genius in that way um, god I don't want to blast everyone out maybe if I move my microphone a little bit but this first chord he starts on is really interesting and He's starting it out right around the passaggio area in the head voice of a mezzo-soprano. So he really wants to bring out those high tones. It's already starting. It sounds like a train wreck to start, right? <laughs> and, you know, it sounded weird to start off with. And the, and the quality of the chord. What are these three notes that are laid out? E flat. Ah. You know, the, the voice? Yeah, we get E flat, C and A. So he's, he's lining, lining out. that like 
a diminished chord right yes there. he's outlining that a diminished chord wait did i get that right was that then a natural or is it a oh actually yeah yeah, yeah it's was, a natural yeah yeah he's not he's he's not telling us that this is going to be a good this is going to be a good journey that we're about to go through oh it never is like wait i'm gonna I'm going to move my mic. We're kind of doing this off the fly, people, because if you overthink <laughs> it, you just don't do it. I'm going to move this here and tell me if the voice comes through, because I know if I sing into this, it's going to be a bad time. So tell me if this comes <laughs> through. Okay. Yeah, you kind of cut out when you uh, get to like the higher notes and the ah. louder ones. Well, folks, that's enough to tell you how freaking loud it is. <laughs> It is really okay. This is actually kind of funny. Let's do an experiment. It's science, people. Look at us doing science. This is a physics experiment. Okay, how far do I need to go that the overtones don't crack my microphone? Okay, I'm gonna try here. Neil, you give me a thumbs up if it's okay. Okay. It still just like cuts out like the second you get loud. I mean, I can tell you're doing oh, you know, but um, yeah, that's better. That's a little better. Long story short, folks, I had to get what a yard away from this microphone in order for the power of that note and the head register of a mezzo soprano to not completely obliterate the sound. <laughs> <laughs> And okay, so how does that speak, Jeff? Maybe you can elaborate. How does that actually speak to the power that Wagner wanted to infuse in all of his music? Oh, gosh. You know, <laughs> it's very intense and it's over the top. Like I was doing uh, a little bit of reading and it was actually into uh, partially how it like influenced uh, filmmaking and movies and stuff like that. And it was specifically talking about, you know, the theater in um Beirut. Um I saying that right? Beirut. Bayroy. Beirut. Bayroit. Bayroit. I got you. I, I was about to. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, yes. Bayroy. I knew as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, no, it's it's I know it's always a weird title. And I'm like, Bayroy. it's really pronounced that way? Yeah. Yep. Bayroit. Bayroit. And how um just like that theater there almost like is designed in a way that mimics what we would view now as like a cinematic experience. Um, you know, the lights are dark, you know, the orchestra is out of sight, you know, for the most part, and it really kind of focuses, focuses in, and there's a lot of things in his opera that are then kind of tracking towards like, almost like the idea of like tracking shots and things like that. And there, there's a great article, um, in the New Yorker by Alex Ross specifically Ooh. on like, um, Wagner's relationship with cinema essentially, and how it's been used throughout history. Um, because but he kind of his approach to opera is if you if i remember correctly his music was the first music played behind silent film right yeah it definitely was like it was used in a lot of them i mean especially like fly of the valkyries and stuff like and, that um a lot of them were piano reductions is that right or were, were they also adaptations to the pipe organ uh usually you know yeah. in that case he would do, be an like, piano or organ whatever was around at that point yep. essentially um i actually knew what that film was the, yeah it was one of the first ones right it <laughs> um or one of the first films they oh, used here Bob we go was. it was in a uh, nickelodeon 
the birth of a nation, which is actually kind of a problematic. Oh, a birth film. of it. Really? Remember, okay. I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's the very first one, but that's like one of the big notable ones back from like 1915 birth of the nation. Okay. So what, uh, which what is, was that? Was it an, an American based film or was it a, yeah. And it's a historical romance of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh God. <gasps> Are you serious? Okay, so people, that is yeah. not, you're probably wondering why I'm going, oh my God. I'm, I'm like mic dropping over here, like, oh shit. Because um, Wagner has a problematic relationship. Uh, his writings and his previous views on the Jews has a, uh, at the very least, a problematic, it had a very problematic application in the hands of uh, none other than <laughs> De Fure. Uh Just, like a lot of people and it gets even weirder on that one because like at the same time we're saying that but like really then also germany is like a little bit influenced by american laws that were like taking away the rights of people so it's the uh, america it, it's, and nazi it, germany it, it, the united states and nazi <laughs> germany had this very you know how some people bring out the worst in you you know, you've had those mm -hmm. friends that bring out the worst in you. I think the United States of Germany were these friends that were really bad influences on each other because the because there was Wagner who already there were those anti-Semitic ideas that were brewing under the surface, right? Yeah. And but, then yeah. we had the United States, which you can mm -hmm. elaborate on that. Well, even just going back to this movie a little, little bit, like the, the scene that it's used in, like they have a description of it, and it's basically a sequence with um getting my i assume clan clan members on horseback and they're riding in to save a town that is under quote-unquote oppressive african-american rule and it uses the music from uh Rienzi. i don't know which part exactly in a modified Was it the book. overture probably i mean the ride of the valkyries you know that that's the big one that's also used and um yeah no it's it's well, a very the overture from rienzi also um mm. what was that main theme from rienzi it was a um da, 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 da. that was that main theme right oh my mm -hmm. god <laughs> ah, that's hilarious oh yeah ah, did you see the little notification on zoom it said playing music <laughs> <laughs> in fact i am playing music set up professional audio and audio settings and then yet it didn't do that when you were singing <laughs> earlier right hmm. yeah it didn't register opera's music nobody likes opera which is yeah, why no no I, which it's, is why i had to pick a different career field <laughs> it's this weird little thing that happens that yeah that that's the movie it's in you know like and all right folks just to recap we really took you on a journey here <laughs> yeah so Wagner's music was the first music that was played in film, in silent films, 1915. But one of the first recorded silent films that Wagner's music was played under was a Ku Klux Klan film. And they're using da 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 No, that wasn't it. That was the... Yeah, yeah. no, no, they used part of it. They used they, part they of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Because that's the one that gets like used uh, a lot. I mean, like um, after that, I mean, it pops up in some Looney Tunes, you know, like it's kill the um, wabbit, kill the wabbit. You know, it? but also, yeah, 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 kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. You know, um, <laughs> and then in a weird way, even even though like 
Wagner had his connections, obviously, with uh, anti-Semitism and stuff like that. It does, at least in cinema, get like kind of tied heavily to like neo-Nazis a lot. It's even used in like the Blues Brothers, you know, once okay. again for neo-Nazis. But I mean, that's kind of making fun of them, obviously. Uh, yeah. Gosh, I mean, they use it again in. Oh, gosh, there's that one movie. It's It's the famous one apocalypse now oh you know when they're kind of flying in on the helicopters which they said that wasn't really being done with uh things like wagner then it was being done with um rock music for the most Mm -hmm. part except now because they did that movie uh people will now do that with wagner like they even said they have found it like in desert storm and things like that really now yeah and i think one of the most recent times it pops up is um, I saw uh, Alien, uh, mm. the most recent Alien movie, Alien Covenant. Uh, and which which piece is that? I want to say it's Tannhauser. Okay, Tannhauser. Tannhauser. Yes. Tannhauser. I'm just going to pronounce it however I want. I'm trying to look up exactly, but I want <laughs> you know. Um, it's not what you say; it's how you say it, Jeff. But yeah, no, it, it's usually like it's usually the same pieces over and over. It's like Fly the Valkyries, a little bit of Tannhäuser, you know, like uh, it's very good. Seems to be like you know the same couple pieces that pop up over yeah. and over that be from uh, Wagner in all those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, um. So long story short, from all of that, folks, if you haven't realized it by now, I'm just going to give you the abridged version. Wagner highly permeates our culture, especially cinematic culture. So to say that, oh, opera's not that interesting. Oh, you know, it's not like Snoop Dogg. I'll respect Snoop Dogg. Like, cool, man. Like, he's a vibe. However, if you measure the influence over the amount of time thus far, Wagner wins that rap battle. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting that he ends up in cinema a lot because, like, cinema in a lot of ways does kind of push for some of his ideas as a composer. You know, that whole idea of creating something that is like a quote unquote total. Ah, yes, what? Gemeinsam gemeinsam Mm -hmm. Kunst. Yeah, Gemeinsam Kunstwerk. Is there ah, a book in there? Yeah, Gemeinsam Gemeinsam Kunstwerk. Isn't that interesting? Gemeinsam Kunstwerk. I, I believe so. Mm-hmm. So Gemeinsam is together, all together in German. Kunst is art and then Werk is work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's just, yeah, yeah, total art. So did that also, did that idea, even just being the music, kind of infiltrate cinema as well? I mean, heavily. So, I mean, we, we go back to those ideas of, uh, you know, leitmotifs or whatever. Um, which lead motif uh we, we started on that idea but i yeah. love lead motif uh which literally means the leading motive in mm-hmm. german so i yeah tell me more about that jeff i'm gonna just like sit here and fangirl i love lead motif. <laughs> well why don't you go ahead and explain what lead motif is other than that like what would be a good example of it for those oh. who might not know other than just that definition you gave oh lead motif it's the leading motive so Va- this is a wagner original which is why i have such a hate love hate relationship with wagner uh, because he's a raging anti-Semite. Um, so, uh, yeah, I consider that to be a problem. Uh, I don't know what your set of values is, but uh, not you <laughs> as in you, but I mean like the royal you. I mean like everybody, everyone listening. Um, if you're an anti-Semite, you might want to figure that out. I would say that's a bit of a toxic trait. 
So Wagner, uh, yeah. yeah, Wagner and I would not be homies. However, it's weird. Wagner has that weird spot of being like he's both, you know, he's not a good person, you know, <laughs> um, which in all fairness, many composers are not good people. Oh, come you on. Know, Beethoven pop- was great. It's fine that he <laughs> beat up his his nephew. I mean, you know, it, he just had a bad day. I'm joking. Yeah, people. well, you know, you know, like it's it almost seems a common trait, but also his music has been like there's like a real struggle for it both as mm, this is really good. This is really fulfilling also as like it's kind of also liked by both sides essentially. And so that kind of has like this weird kind of like <laughs> spiritual battle for it, you know, like, like, Oh man, is this like, you know, the work of the divine or is it like the devil? We, we, <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. It, Cause well, it does get so easily this like tied with both parts of that. But I'm oh, sorry, go ahead about the leap motifs. No, you're good. Uh, leap motif is just one of those things that I fell in love with. I and but I didn't know was something that I loved so much about watching film. I mean, you and I are both children of the 90s. We grew up with film. Uh, I think we both have a love in our heart for um, an American tale, Fievel story. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> my heart. Oh, any sorry. any Don Bluth cartoon will just make like any adult cry. It's like they have that weird thing of like, if 90% of this is like tragic and sad, as long as we have a happy ending, it's okay. Such a Russian Jewish infusion <laughs> of tragedy for children. <laughs> like what? And I mean, this is the same guy who did like land before time and, you know, like oh. uh, secret of Nim and like, oh, and this is- do, 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 do. <laughs> look at that people. That is an example of the leading motive. So I think that was the leading motive that was at- attached to Littlefoot's mom when she died. Right. Mm-hmm. So anytime there was a feb, uh, one of those leaves, if I remember correctly, a leaf would come and remind a uh, little foot of his mother. Correct. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious that you're tying it to a leaf. <gasps> leaf motif. Leaf. Yeah. But yeah. no, exactly. Like it is like a, like, yeah, like a little theme that is kind of very. It's attached to a character. Specific. Yeah. And um, in Hollywood, I mean, that's kind of like for the longest time, definitely their bread and butter. And I mean, a very obvious example most people would know is um, a John Williams with Star Wars. You know, you can hear, you know, Luke's themes, da 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 you know, and anytime it pops up, he's doing something on screen, you know, Darth Vader's theme. They, um, every character. Every character or kind of event has its own little theme. Mm-hmm. And then the score is just like composed of how those themes kind of interact with each other, you know. And obviously um, that, that the, I mean, the understanding of the power of music that Wagner had mm-hmm. is really, because even now I can still feel that emotion that mm-hmm. I didn't even know I had as a child. <laughs> like, I think that's the first time I ever realized my mother's mortality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did oh, you yeah. did you have that experience too oh, like- yeah yeah that was uh that's a very it, you know even now like it took you know like the first time i watched it it was like tragic you know obviously and then eventually it got to the point where you're just like sad during it but then you're still just like you feel the tear in the back of your eye you're not it's not going to come out but you feel it you know yeah like and uh, i mean where did where did wagner get that where did he get that that he understood that 
was he taught that or was that his own work of a genius that he knew that that <laughs> was going to evoke an emotion every time you hear that? Because I can still think of that theme with the the viola and the cello for Littlefoot's mom still dying. And he's like, wake up, wake up. Like you can still hear that theme in your head also, can't you? Mm-hmm. I almost have to say like, because if we kind of rewind this one back a little bit, like going back just to its film influence, like John Williams wasn't the only one. Like if you go look into further back, um, um, Eric Korngold, who okay. like is quite um, really prolific film composer. Uh, he's kind of known for a lot of the swashbuckling films, like the Errol, film, uh, Errol Flynn ones, you know, oh, okay. Ron Hood. Lately. Also swashbuckling. Like- <laughs> Oh, yeah. Also crazy, like prodigy and like concert composer. His violin concerto is amazing, like insane, dude. Um, yeah, he's making use of it. And then even before then, like uh, Max Steiner. I don't know if you've heard that name. I've heard the name, but you would know more than uh, I would. He's probably he's like one of those ones I haven't heard much of. But then it's like probably more important than like all the names listed. He did like over. What did he do? 300 film scores, but one of the big ones was uh, Casablanca. (gasps) And he was like kind of the first one that really took that leitmotif idea from Wagner and really put it into cinema, you know? Yes, because every time they would come into the cafe, play it, Sam. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Now, did he write write the... Did he write that? I think so, yeah. Like, um, going back far enough. Yeah, no, it's kind of interesting how far back that goes. Uh, Wagner, I don't know. I, I want to trace it. Like, there's probably somebody out there who's like more of an expert on this stuff that would like know exactly well, where you it know comes more than from. I do. Like, just like thinking off the top of my head, I almost want to say uh, it was, oh, by... was it was it from was it from Beethoven? You know, like Beethoven, oh, like started as time goes mo- by, was know? by Dooley Wilson. Okay. So I'm not as familiar with the cinematic. Uh, music in the film i'm more familiar with that main theme but anyway like continue. the song yeah yeah um i was just kind of wondering if wagner if maybe it comes from beethoven a little bit like he really kinda like well i mean he starts well, doing you very know, german <laughs> very sehr, german very sehr deutsch very motivic writing though you know yeah. i mean now okay. which then somebody like wagner definitely expanded on that idea i mean listen to a lot of beethoven you get like you know he gets like a couple notes you get your motive and then he hammers it home like nobody ever you know gee, you will remember you this yeah. motif exactly you know <laughs> and then it's like wagner kind of takes that like a step further you know well now every character has their own and it all mixes together a little bit of list in there too uh, um, list with his you know um, uh, melodic transformations he would kind of do I want to say melodic or motivic uh, which is a, a very list thing you know where the thing stays through the whole piece but it transforms as it goes and mm-hmm. they were like related weren't they uh, by marriage weren't they oh list and Wagner yeah 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 <coughs> they wanna, were... wait, no well yes yeah really? because um I think, if I remember correctly, I think that List married Wagner's daughter Cosima. I'm 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 looking this one up because I swore they were related. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, Wagner was his father-in-law. 
Oh, see, I thought it was the other way around, but it doesn't matter because that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Suspense. Wait, we got to find this out. Oh, it, it is the other way. It is the other way. Cosima, um, Cosima was a Franz Liszt's daughter. Oh, oh, geez. Um, between Franz Liszt and the um, Marie uh, de Gault. Okay. Um, was a writer yeah and then uh, so i think a list had a lot of like helping him kind of keep going at some points too but well let's see now okay so that's something really cool that wagner did that's a wagner original that's in everything that we hear in movies <laughs> okay like um I mean, I can see it like growing out of a couple trends, but I, I don't, you know. The leitmotif is me. so Wagner. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I can see it as like, okay, like you get Beethoven, then you get go through List, and then you go through the expansion of Wagner, who's just going to like go crazy with it, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> I always loved when reading about it, like when reading um, the Brahms biography, how much Brahms really just wanted to take Wagner on on his home turf of opera. Well, Wagner and Brahms, they were from different um, methodologies. They, they, they were, the they were like philosophical. Off, yeah. Yeah. Different. You know, um, there like was... it was it was like the West Coast versus East Coast gangster rappers. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Because, I mean, like yeah. they, they, they um, I know he hated List, but they kind of realized that List really wasn't in that fight as much because he was just kind of there playing and composing <laughs> and, you know, being List. But where we get some of the real like bigger stuff really was seems to be Brahms and Wagner and um, he so wanted yeah because yeah Brahms is very more uh, very much more conservative with mm. his composition you know so we had the romantics versus the what was the other one? Oh gosh I forget their school uh, I just know how Schumann likes to refer to it as like you know he referred to like Liszt and Wagner and stuff oh as the they, were, they were yeah the Philistines <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't remember what I don't, but I know it had like Claire Schumann. Um, there's that one violinist who played with Liz, but then it was also kind of more friends with Bron. I remember, yeah, Dvorak, I think. Um, yeah, they were they they believed, uh, was it the conservative versus the romantics? Oh gosh, I don't remember if it had a name, like that's 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 where I'm feeling bad about. Let's see, romantics, Wagner. Oh wait, yeah, uh, angry pitted progressives against conservatives. Yeah, I guess maybe that's something like it was whatever. the War of the Romantics. Yep. I mean, see, that's cool. See name. people, see people. Nothing ever changes. I mean, I gotta say, I love that name, War of the Romantics. <laughs> the War of the Romantics. Wait, here we go. Here we go. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Brahms, uh, Joseph Joachim, Claire Schumann. Uh, the Leipzig Conservatory, which had been founded by Mendelssohn against, <laughs> I like it, the radical progressives, mainly from Weimar, which were basically like Liszt and Wagner. They just didn't like, they just did not like Liszt. <laughs> they might have been a little jealous. I, I think, I think with Liszt, yeah, like there had to have been because he was just like uh, so good on the instrument they all chose to play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was reading about it. Um, Brahms wanted to, he was obsessed with it because him and Wagner, you know, had the, you know, thing going. I don't know if they were 
like enemies or such because i want to say wagner like gave them scores or something like mm-hmm. that it's some time to look over so it's uh he obsessed over it and he l- spent his whole entire life looking for the perfect um you're gonna help me out here because my brain just forgot it looking for the perfect words uh, libretto, libretto. libretto. Yeah, we both yeah. thought of it at the same time. I gave it to you through the technology. Yeah, no, he was looking for the perfect libretto um, to compose and take with that, and he never found it, or or he just knew that that was, you know, that I mean, you could almost maybe, maybe it's like, well, would he have been able to actually do it? Because I'm like, I love Brahms. Brahms is probably top five, maybe yeah. one of my favorite all time composers. Um, but he was like 40 before he got his first symphony out. I've, I mean, like his, his music is this weird mix of both like conservative, but then like wildly imaginative with the harmony. So uh, like, yeah, I don't know what he would have produced uh, as an opera. I mean, he has a lot of songs that are, you know, well, really good. You know. Is it not correct that Wagner was rejected as a piano major? And so then he decided hold on to that folks he was rejected as a piano major he was just he was very not that great of a pianist so then it became his mission to just completely revolutionize the practice and consumption of music after that especially in opera from what (laughs) i I remember that sounds about right you know i mean that sounds like a thing that would happen (laughs) that sounds like like, i would I mean, the standards, you know, for, for pianists, I mean, they're high now, but, you know, oh my God, gee, just look who was around then, too, you know. <laughs> okay, now, folks, remember this. So, somebody with a vendetta, somebody, a scorned artist, got real pissed off, decided to revolutionize music. And he did have a very large influence on how music was composed after that, unfortunately, for Schumann and Brahms. Although Brahms <laughs> revolutionized the production of music. It's this really weird thing because if you ultimately look at it, you know, while both music from both composers stayed around for a really long time, if you actually look at who won that philosophical fight, it, it was Wagner. It was. Like However, the way he, yeah, the way he pushed for how he wanted music to be accepted, you know, on the on like experience. the emotion and experience, ultimately that one, you know, and now even Brahms is viewed through that same filter, you know. Well, and then also, but Brahms is also influential because what is probably one of the first melodies you ever heard as a child? That's Brahms, people. So whether you like it or not, your entire life has been shaped by Brahms and Wagner. Yep, it happens. Mic drop. <laughs> well, I had Mozart in there for good measure, you know, but. Can't forget Mozart. Uh, too many notes anyway uh yes this is like that first theme from rienzi what it starts with the a it's very soft it starts with a trumpet Mm -hmm. but i have to play it on piano (laughs) uh but the reason you might you you all might be wondering why we're talking about rienzi because people how many times do you run into people not wanting to in people being in complete denial or ignorance that opera has any influence on the world that we live in today or the world we lived in since post-world war ii right how many times have you run into opera being completely worthless to people i mean yeah it kind of fell out of favor as like the major art form you know or like that's the view dude 
I will I will fight to the death. Metaphorical <laughs> death. I will fight Not real the, death. No, not real death. I will fight to the metaphorical death. That opera was far more influential. And I think you know the answer to this why why I would do that. Mm. I will now fight I with hear people. from you. I will fight with people. I will fight you, you, the royal <laughs> you. Any day of the week, if you say that the Beatles are more influential than opera or Wagner, I'd be like, nope, 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 nope. Well, don't get me started on that one because I would 100% agree with you. Now, do I think and that I would it, be murdered, assassinated? And you know, you got to. Sometimes you just got to make a sacrifice for your principles. <laughs> this one, I will fight. I will metaphorically fight, not physically. Um, I will metaphorically fight because Rienzi is the opera. It is rumored to be the opera. I think it's been mostly verified that this is the opera that inspired Hitler to begin the Third Reich, to begin his political <laughs> career. I'm sorry. The Beatles did not do that. Whether it was good or bad, I don't care. It's in, You cannot deny that it was influential as bleep. <laughs> I mean, on that alone, just like, yeah, like. <laughs> so like, folks, that line I just played with that trumpet, it's a trumpet that starts because Wagner was obsessed with the brass, right? Mm -hmm. He loved it. I mean, it was very powerful. Um, did you ever hear that quote, Jeff, uh, that he said, don't look at the uh, brass. It only encourages them. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. Yeah, he said, don't look at don't look at the brass. It only encourages them. <laughs> so this this piece right here. You probably figured this out as well. Imagine you're in Germany. And you're with I'm a in bunch Germany, and I've just been rejected. No, 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 no. You're oh. with you're with a bunch of your other countrymen. The year is 1940 or 1941, and you're with a whole bunch of people getting ready to go to a Nazi rally. This was okay. the piece that was played as the opening at every rallies. <laughs> Fun fact. Oh my gosh! And then it just starts going. Oh, there's that. There's that chromaticism that he would throw in there, right? Oh, gosh. Here it is again. <laughs> We're going on a journey here. We're going on a chromatic journey, a hero's journey. Chromatic diarrhea. Yeah, so, um, oh. yeah, folks, sorry. Wagner's music was far more influential than the Beatles. It really inspired people to a lot of actions. Were they destructive and bad? Sure, but far more influential. <laughs> No, it's it's um, and then even if you just go start looking at like how it influenced film and stuff like that as well, like it's just Double influence. Now, that's a positive influence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's because it's like both there. Like, yeah. you know, like it's that weird double sidedness there. You know, that's like, well, like it's influenced the positive, but then it's also mm -hmm. influence. It's weird. Like it's weird how it's like influenced like so many different you know people like good and bad and it's it, it occupies a very like weird space kind of you know in music because like even with other composers i'm thinking of who may have not been the best people we're, we're still kind of like yeah but their music was oh it's good you know like i even have to admit this opening line is really beautiful it does grip you mm -hmm. oh 
Oh, wow, it'd help if I played it right. <laughs> like, that's really beautiful, actually. <laughs> it's better when I play it right. <laughs> uh... Like, that's actually really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you would have done a better job, but... <laughs> of course I would. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Let's go, Piano Duel. Let's go. Okay, fine, fine. That's not planning it today. Is this how this works? Yeah, yeah. We punch the piano, and the first person to bleed is the winner. I'm down. Like, how does that make any sense? And I'm like, well, it's postmodern. It's fine. It doesn't have to make sense. It is postmodern. It is postmodern beatings. That's how that goes. It's it's MMA for piano. <laughs> and then, oh my God, one of them picked up the piano and then threw it at the other. Oh no 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 no! no. Ah! Are they taking the lid off and using it as a shield? Oh my God, the humanity! The <laughs> Oh, God. Um, anyway, so folks, this is the result of when you let two creative people talk about a creative subject unhinged without a mediator. We've now uh, we've now descended into piano as an MMA sport. And it's going to happen where, you know, we'll fight. We'll sub. Somebody will live. Somebody will also live, but be, <laughs> you know, kind of like more scarred for it. <laughs> well, Rienzi, that works. right? Well, I did my own little research as well, and there is a mm. really great article from the Wall Street Journal, which I'll link in the description of the podcast. Um, by his name is Joseph Horowitz, uh, from November eighth, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, cool. I think I got a book or two laying around from him. Yeah, really great writer. Um, so he said. Uh, in the case of Rienzi, the Hitler connection is fascinatingly complex. According to a 1953 account by August Kubizek, Hitler's first exposure to this early Wagner opera when he was 15 shaped his future. So here's the quote. My friend, his hand thrust into his coat pockets, silent and withdrawn, strode through the streets and out of the city. Never before and never again have I heard Adolf Hitler speak as he did in that hour. And we stood there alone under the stars. It was a state of complete ecstasy and rapture in which he transferred the character of Rienzi with visionary power to the plan of his own ambitions. <laughs> now, do you remember what happens to Rienzi in the film and the main, the main plot line? Oh, gosh. I yeah. So he, uh, Rienzi, uh, ends up... Um, He's leading a mob of the plebeians, right? The, the lower class mm -hmm. and helping them come to power to overthrow the Roman oligarchy. <laughs> and what did Hitler do? He took down the leading, he brought down the leading ruling class at the time. <laughs> Yeah, but but isn't it like traditional opera where just like everybody dies or something too? Everybody does die in the end. That's what the yeah, interesting part about like, Adriano's uh, aria kind of summarizes everything in a very poetic way. Mm -hmm. And um, 
at the end of the opera, so Adriano wants to kill Rienzi, but he's like, meh. Uh, for some reason, he decides to not do it. I can't remember why. But at the end, uh, Irina and Rienzi, they die at the end. Um, they they die in a in a building that's going down in flames. See, I thought Adriano did too. I thought they all. That's what Adriano does. Stays loyal to his brotherhood, to the cause, and runs in and dies with them. <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody <laughs> dies in opera. Oh my gosh! Like yeah. This. <laughs> yep. It's like sure that was uh, productive. Wow. However, just... how does Hitler die? Oh my God! He died. He also. He's rumored that he was clutching a libretto of Rienzi or a score of Rienzi. That would be wow. That'd be a little. Yeah, that's some next level obsession right there. And that's why when people tell me, "Oh, opera's not that special. Opera's not that influential," I'm like, I'm like, ignorance is not a virtue. Oh my God! You just did a modern uh, opera um, aria there. You could just smash on the keyboards and yell, "Ignorance is not a virtue." Ignorance is not a virtue. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think I saw that opera. I saw that. Yeah. Opera. Ignorance <laughs> is not a virtue. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I really. Nuts, though. Sorry, I can't see I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. Sanding the test of time or having an influence on a dictator as much as Wagner did. Well, you know, the Beatles, I always think the funny thing is it's like as much as everybody's like, oh, man, they're going to live forever. There's still always just that thing that pops my mind where that I think it was like Twitter photo with Kanye West and Paul McCartney. I where can't. they were just like. <laughs> no, there is some kind of ethereal, ethereal quality about certain and during works. Oh, of no, culture. no. I was, I was just going to say, like, like they saw that picture of him, Kanye West, and they're like, oh, my God, it's so good for Kanye West to use his star power to help this, like, lesser That's... artist. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> it was it was like, <laughs> look, when people say Kanye West is a genius, I'm like, I think Kanye West is a little unhinged. I think Kanye West thinks he's a genius. I think Kanye West has delusions of grandeur now not that i don't enjoy his music but when you know about wagner <laughs> you really can't look at kanye west in the same light by being bipolar is not okay i'm, I'm not <laughs> all right i'm not a psychologist it, i might see, be wrong the, the problem is is that whole it's not that that whole argument is not necessarily untrue because like we're, we're talking about like you know a composer who did put a lot of work into this not not just the composition side but yeah. literally everything and you know like if wagner he, had major he, mental health problems i don't think he could have mm-hmm. created such a cohesive amount of music in his lifetime it's kind of like you know and not not even just like that he wrote all the music you know oh, yeah but he also wrote the libretto and then also like he revolutionized how it was presented you know with that theater in bayreuth you know like there's a lot going on there like a you know a lot that then then most people like they just don't even get anywhere near you know in terms of like you know creative and i mean yeah. like then there's the other argument the other arguments on that one are very obvious you know they're kind of just like well you know that's because for whatever reason you know picky one has held other groups down you know and and then it becomes like a very hard conversation to have you know because yeah. then you're talking about potential 
you know, and right. it's like, and I'm like, well, you know, if we're talking about potential, well, of course, you know, there, there would be others like that's yeah. not, that's not, I don't even think a question, you know? Well, the, yeah. The, I mean, but, the span of the influence that Wagner has had is really truly mind blowing to me and on the different genres and on all of the different types of people. Well, I mean, if you can go watch, like, you know, the ring cycle itself, like, now I know they say there's, like, no connection to Lord of the Rings, but it's almost kind of like a Bullshit. Lord of the, it's like a Lord of the Rings-esque trilogy, like, what, like, a hundred years before Lord of the Rings, you know? Like, maybe not that long. Maybe it's been little, like, I mean, movie-wise, it's been, like, a hundred years, but. Dude, there's <laughs> even, even the Gollum character is the character that was the anti-Semitic character for, uh. I forget which one. Um, it was so culturally understood that that was the so-called like money-hungry Jew, and it's it's a character that's mm-hmm. essentially Gollum. And then, like, yeah, no, and then we can also literally blame Wagner uh, for while we're talking about the negative side effects. He had influence in the way of like, well, because Mendelssohn was Jewish, we don't really talk about Mendelssohn all that much. Yeah, and a lot of it had to do with Wagner's criticism, which. <laughs> We're not really founded in uh, the reality. You and, know, but. Yes, you bring up an interesting point because he felt that any culture that was created by Jews was because it was always going to be corrupted in subpar because Jews cannot create truly, uh, they cannot create truly genuine and good art because they are always motivated by money. <laughs> Which yeah. Is- he, um, he, he said they were part of the bourgeois, which really wasn't quite a term yet. Uh, <laughs> but he, he felt that the, the, the blood of the Jews was inherent and infused. So he thought oh, wow. everything that you did as a person also influenced whatever you created. So if you were a good person, you created good art. Um, so he, I felt- mean, it, it goes that actually in a weird way goes sometimes of how like beethoven was of like his kind of like ultra moral grandstanding even though like he himself was maybe a bit hypocritical yeah, about remember, it you remember know? he wrote that letter he was so pissed <laughs> off at napoleon he was just like i'm done with the french Le- revolution yeah and he just had like these really high standards of like morality that like nobody lived up to except i don't even he didn't even live up to oh absolutely not the people but <laughs> it's <laughs> it, 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 it's funny how that works you know um yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't even was... know what thought I had going with that. I had a Yeah, it, it was um let's see. Yeah, he uh he wrote German art and politics. Um Authentic German Revolution Wagner, Wagner repeated his uh this is a book by German revolutionary anti-semitism from Kant to Wagner. Um, so Kant was a uh, philosopher and mm-hmm. Wagner, obviously we've been discussing Wagner. It's this book is called uh, the German question slash Jewish question by Paul Lawrence Rose. So I'm on page 370 here in German art and German politics. Wagner repeated his view that the authentic German revolutionism of the Burschenschaften had been betrayed and misunderstood as just another outbreak of French revolutionism. Wow. No, they're really kind of keep holding it together oh, here wow. beethoven and wagner <laughs> yeah. mm. um uh in 1819 the judges of kotzebue's student assassin could not believe that the young sand had acted purely instinctually out of the urgings of the german spirit 
in the conviction that his target was the corrupter of German youth and the betrayer of German Volk. Song's Germanness was so natural that enabled him to accept torture and death, conduct and conduct incomprehensible to Jewish revolutionists. Uh, oh, so, wow. yeah, Wagner's a lot of Wagner's work was inspired by this idea of the German spirit. So his art was very purposeful, and also his subjects of his opera that he picked were very purposefully reviving and um, creating a um, larger than life and what do you want to call it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a mythical yeah. idea mm-hmm. of being German. And so I always want to slap people metaphorically when they say that um, Nazi Germany. When we say metaphorically, I mean, when whenever we say metaphorically, we're also really kind of wanting to literally. We're all bound by laws, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, God damn society. God damn the price of having to live in a society. But um. I always want to slap people whenever they say, metaphorically, whenever they say, um, where was I going with that? I got caught up with censoring myself. (laughs) I always want to smack people when they say that Nazi Germany is an example of whenever Christianity is in the hands of a totalitarian dictator. (laughs) I'm like, nine, 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 you know nothing. Do against nothing. You know nothing because so you know the subject matter of these operas Mm -hmm. is is it Christian or is it pagan? It's (laughs) usually it's like I'm thinking through them. Well, I mean the ring cycle. It's it's like Norse. Yep, pagan. pagan. Um, Roman. Yeah, no, it's definitely more pagan. You know, like we more pagan. It's all pagan. There's no Jesus in these operas. He's not. He's not having old Jesus Christ superstar like Jesus putting himself on the cross is like the main character of self sacrifice. It's take down the establishment, revolution. Like every single theme, and there's always some mythic Norse amazingness of yeah that's always featured in all of it. It's almost like this idea of like godhood is yep. in there, like yep. in pushed. You know, um, I am definitely thinking more of like you know the ring cycle but like and even how the music is used afterwards you know beyond just like the operas themselves it always seems to attach itself to like either mythic you know kind of making something mythical or like you know this idea of something you know beyond human you know yeah godlike hero you know and it's it's, Mm -hmm. well this heroicism is imbued and 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 is in the idea of all the music of wagner too so like Wagner's claimed that his, I'm on page 371, Wagner's claimed that his new German state would be his new German state. It was like, <laughs> is Hitler reincarnated Wagner or what? Like you, you, you I, would, remember, you I remember reading it. articles about that before where it's like, well, actually, most of the stuff Hitler was saying was like, Wagner was saying it first. <laughs> like it's <laughs> Exactly. So Wagner's claimed that his new German state would be defense idealist conservative rather than aggressive revolutionary not a conventional power state but an ideal society is apt to mislead innocent reader or it it is is apt to mislead innocent readers his new state was not meant to be revolutionary in a french sense rather in a profounder german way it aimed at a redemptive liberation of the germans and all humanity so screw the french (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah they, the, the Germans really had a grudge against the French. I mean, who didn't? 
so he um yeah he deplored so according to page 372 by lawrence uh Wagner deplored the Jewishness of the new empire, the Prussian Empire, which had turned out to be just another real politischer state rather than a truly revolutionary German one. Bismarck is creating a German unity, but he has no conception of its nature. His conduct is a disgrace for Germany. His decisions have brought forth from the Jews a petition of thanks. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and yeah, so um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know, man, just the interplaying and intertwining of those ideas and Wagner and the influence and the carrying of the torch from Hitler into that. It was terrifyingly effective. Yeah, you know, it's... it leaves I think it leaves me speechless. I don't know if it leaves you a little speechless for a moment. It does, you know, kind of just like when you kind of revisit like some of the stuff he actually was saying, like it's a little like the first point you're, you're just like, man, it's a little out there. Yeah. Hello, your role, Wagner. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it's obviously it's like it's been weird ever since, though, because like his music is still played mm-hmm. like it's it's very intertwined with a lot of different things. It, it, <laughs> And we could get into Daniel Barenboim and, you know, this makes for problematic uh, expressions of Wagner's operas in in Israel. Like they they still have this continuing debate. Should he be played? Should he not be played? I mean, like, yeah, Daniel Barenboim, when he he, I think he just played like a little bit of one of them, just like one of the arias or something. Yep. And um, it was a little bit of a scandal. I mean, uh, what how he did it was a very, I guess, respectful way. You know, I mean, he. did it at the end of the concert as an encore and like he announced the piece so that people who wanted to leave could leave you know right right um but there were some people who were just like yeah why the heck are you playing wagner anywhere near israel you know and i guess for me i can disconnect a little bit not in a way that excuses how wagner was but i cannot ignore the absolute power of what he was able to accomplish and it, it makes it i don't want to sound trite but like the influence of culture on people and their ideas whenever it is effectively harnessed and for good or for bad that can mm-hmm. have a major impact like it, it i don't know i don't know how you feel about it i'm like whatever side of the aisle you're on wagner was very powerful in his influence <laughs> No, it's uh, yeah, no. Uh, like I, I, I was reading that article that the the Alex Ross one I mentioned earlier, and it was like talking about how like some some of the music specifically like Fly the Valkyrie, because of that for that silent film was like attached to like American white supremacy for a while, you know, yep. uh, to an extent. Oh God, you know, that's gonna get can- that's gonna get canceled. Um, yeah, no, that movie's already weird. Um. but it's really hard to ignore at the same time too and it's it's a question that kind of keeps popping up um just in general like well how much do we need our artists to be exemplars of you know morality in society you know like it's uh because it's rare like it's really what? are you saying that musicians are influential are you saying that artists <laughs> and, and are influential and have the power to inspire people to action i mean but also like how many 
sometimes we just like ignore like you know the crap they do i mean going back to our beatles metaphor i mean john lennon was kind of a piece of crap human being i'm oversimplifying it didn't he he beat the shit out of yoko ono yeah he had issues with that he had issues with his first wife and it's kind of like um there's a there's a lot of mental gymnastics that's i i've seen some people do um to to kind of okay it you know i personally do have i have a problem with it i personally do you know and it's like it doesn't it doesn't change that like while maybe i'm not the biggest fan of john lennon's music it's very um you know inspiring to a lot of people you know um but i mean that's just kind of like going to like any any we can almost like picky pick out any of them and they kind of got some skeletons in the closet and doesn't the art itself though go and exist separate from the artist and the artist is just a conduit well that's that's one view that's a that's a tough view i think um it feels it kind of feels that it kind of feels that way sometime i mean like go look and how people kind of viewed the notion of genius through history you know and that kind of notion of it wasn't really like the person doing it but like you know literally a spirit visiting them you oh know, like, like a muse yeah yep like the muses like that is how that notion originally started you know was is like almost like separating the person from the art and it's i it's feel like we- there is some of that with an artist though they're, they're giving that you know they're delving into the chaos like, i'm gonna get all jordan peterson delving <laughs> into the chaos and they're giving birth to a new work of art that they don't even know <laughs> i mean i think part of it too is just like maybe in a lot of sense a lot of art is far more craftsmanship than we give it credit mm-hmm. and it is not fully about that moment of inspiration that we're thinking of you know and so that it doesn't require necessarily a good human being to construct it but rather a disciplined one that's a good part oh boom Boom. interesting i don't know i don't i don't know that i don't i i haven't put much stock into that one either because it it's just a complicated question i think usually i i go on the side of my enjoyment of you know the music does supersede a lot of other things you know unfortunately it does it does you know and i i will just you know admit to that it's oh i'm not thinking most of the time like well we're all still watching the pianist even though roman polanski (laughs) had his skeletons in the closet i mean that one oscars that one oscars that year and like you know it's that was such a good film it it, kind of goes that whole death of the author thing how much does the author actually matter to the work you know too as well and it's and i think to most people it they don't Mm -hmm. you know and you know especially if it's someone you like you know and that's Mm -hmm. it it is what it is it's it's a it's a difficult question you know because it's an uncomfortable one it is because the gut reaction you is almost like well of course it should matter but i'm like well does it i can think of like 50 examples in my life you know like barely even trying you know? well, well what i think is i think the the art even though it was born out of the artist sometimes i mean not sometimes it also exists in its own way it's inextricably linked to the artist but it also exists in its own way separate from it it's it's like they did give birth to a, a child in a way and it exists separate from 
that flawed artist. Yeah. Like once it once it leaves the creator of sorts, does it still belong solely to that creator? I don't. It belongs to I mean, whoever's viewing it. It belongs to whoever's consuming it as well. It's and I mean, both. I think I think classical music has like particularly maybe struggled with that question like a little bit more than you oh, know. Yeah. I mean, pop music kind of settled of no, it belongs to the creator. Yeah. You know, like you have copyrights, you have things like that. You know, like classical music in its long history. You know, you go back to the Romantic era around Wagner's time and how much like basically other performers and composers would tool with something to fit mm-hmm. their performance style a little mm-hmm. bit and then when they all got old and wanted to be viewed as like serious thoughtful composers yeah. were then just like no you must have 100 fidelity <laughs> to the score you know and it's yeah. like well nobody was doing that until you got like 70 and decided yep. you wanted to be taken seriously for posterity you know <laughs> <laughs> um <sighs> But and I mean, that, that slowly shifted. And so I think that that question is struggled with because in some ways it doesn't. Like the Wagner's been dead for a very long time, you know? Yep. He does not have a say over this music anymore. It It's like his child that exists separate from him. And how mm-hmm. many, you know, when people actually have children, they go off and they live and have a life of their own and their own influence. So I feel like creative work in, in its own way is like a child. And that's one of the um, more, I think that's a good tidy way of actually viewing that too, because I've heard that that question get mostly get stuck in, ooh, I don't don't want to be a bad person, but I still really enjoy this, this song, you know? <laughs> like, Does listening to itself, the fact that it's powerful and it has influence means that listening to whatever kind of culture that you listen to, it's good to think for yourself on what kind of influence it's having on you. Is it tipping the scales to good or bad? I, I think the well, I mean, piece mm-hmm. itself is neutral, but mm-hmm. which way are you letting it take you? Are also you just kind of, oh yeah, you know, and also with just that whole notion of, um, you know, how Wagner wanted the music to be taken. You know, we were talking about like the philosophical battle between Brahms and Wagner and, you know, just like, things being taken you know uh, on their own by their own emotion and things like you know ideas like that Mm -hmm. you know i mean that separates it from the composer too after basically it's been created and that was a thing too that um that uh wagner did want his music to evoke emotion out of people hence the romantics Mm -hmm. yeah all about all about emotion and let's make it as big as we can too <laughs> you know i think that's what i miss about the romantics you know um, sometimes i listen to a piece and they're like yeah i have this little series of miniatures and i'm like no make it let's big, just make, make it, it as big as we can <laughs> let's just be gluttonous you know you have 88 keys you you have a 95 piece orchestra let's go all the way man neo romanticism does have a special place in my in my heart it really does it's just oh, oh. Yeah. there's still some people like doing some good stuff on it I on mean, the whole but it'll immediately just give you goosebumps man like mm-hmm. that is a visceral reaction that you can't even stop yourself from having even if you don't like it <laughs> although i've heard that not everyone has a visceral reaction like that to music have you did you read that as well i thought i did somewhere um 
I haven't read that one. It, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, it's yeah. kind of like that notion of some people have like a self-narrating voice and some people don't, you know, in their with their thoughts, you know, oh. with their own time. Yeah. Um it would not surprise me if like there's just people out there who just like, oh yeah, no, I don't feel anything. <laughs> and yeah, that is not and, us, well, obviously. <laughs> uh, I just hope um natural selection takes care. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. No, I am one hundred percent kidding. I'm oh yeah, kidding. we get talk. We get to talking about Wagner and see the influence he already had on you. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear that, and then you know, I think of my own times I've been rejected in the artistic sense, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, let's no. uh, let's go let's go wipe some people out. That's no. Well, that was a thing too. Wagner also had that rejection. He was never a good pianist, at least that was what was told. And then Hitler was rejected from art school. You know, I wonder about that. I'm like, okay, so when we say he wasn't a good pianist, does that mean just like, was he not a good comp- a pianist compared to like the 50 super virtuosos running around, but he was still like quite really good? You know? It was like, enough that Wagner could take it. And he was like, I'm going to revolutionize music completely. I mean, the weird thing is, is Brahms wasn't particularly a great pianist. There's great reviews of when he was young, but then also just like as he got older, you know, he just didn't put care and practice into it and was just kind of like iffy at best, you know. And Oh, well, he wanted he wanted Clara to outshine him anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he letting. did. <laughs> but that's yeah. a topic for another day, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Well we've had a lot to say about this but i think it's oh, been yeah. great and i you know mm-hmm. i i think that's something that we can have people our listeners think like what what influences your music that you're picking you know that you're listening to what kind of influence does it have on you where does it take you or where do you allow it to take you i don't know <laughs> someday we got to talk about like the emperor concerto with the eroica and just about beethoven's Ooh. personal grudge against napoleon <laughs> so great he was like i love him he's great french revolution was and then he was like i hate this man i mean it's just like that meme you know where they use michael jordan and they're just like and i took that personally you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is wagner and beethoven to a t man you don't you know oh, oh so funny God. <laughs> but all right well it's been a pleasure talking with you jeff thanks so it's much it's been fun it has been so <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day i'm off to go and overthink more things all right have fun (laughs) thanks bye